Welcome to the Suicide Prevention and Awareness Podcast, part of CBP's Shine a Light Suicide Prevention Program. Today, we're talking with Chief Huffman, Deputy Commissioner Miller, and Commissioner Magnus, and Dr. Kent Corso, clinical psychologist specializing in suicide prevention. In today's episode, Dr. Kent Corso interviews CBP senior leadership to get their take on suicide prevention and awareness. Hi, and welcome to our monthly podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today and to our guests for being with us. Just a few caveats before we get going. I am a clinical psychologist, so I am a doctor, but I'm not the doctor for our guest. This isn't therapy or counseling, nor is anything we talk about today going to involve or constitute medical advice. This is just a conversation. Another disclaimer is that suicide is a difficult topic to talk about. It's not one that we can discuss vaguely or indirectly if we hope to make a difference. So for our listeners out there, we are going to have a frank conversation today. If by any chance you have lived experience or you are triggered, if anything we discuss is upsetting or distressing to you, please reach out for help. Reach out to those who care for you and love you and reach out to those who you love. If you're a CBP employee or family member and you need help, you can always contact a peer support member, chaplain, or veteran support member. Or you can reach out to our employee assistance program. If you are not a CBP employee, you can always call 1-800-273-8255, which is the National Suicide Lifeline. Why is suicide prevention and awareness important to you? Well, I think first off, I identified this topic as one of my highest priorities coming in as a commissioner because the preservation of life, particularly the life of our employees and their families, um, I think has to be one of the most important things. We had um, 11 suicides last year, uh, so far 11 this year, entirely unacceptable. Mm-hmm. We, we have to do better. So this is, this is critically important to me. With our organization, I've been on the job for 37 years, quite a long time, and and I've seen this evolve over the years. And and suicide has always been something that's with our organization, Mm -hmm. but it was it's been ignored for many years. I mean, it was ignored when I first got on. It was something you didn't think about, you didn't talk about. If if it happened, you didn't wasn't even mentioned, and you just went on. And there just wasn't a realization of how much what we do and what our job entails that that can be a contributing factor to to the to suicide and people taking their lives. And, mm-hmm. and we've kind of e- evolved, I think, in better understanding, um, better ways to take care of our workforce, understanding those things, and finding ways to reduce it. Suicide prevention and awareness is important to me because my father passed away from suicide in, in 2008, and it's a, it's a very important subject to, to me personally, and it's a very important subject uh, for me at work because we've had a very difficult time over the last two years with uh, increased uh, suicides uh, amongst our workforce. I appreciate your willingness to talk about this because it is something that's very personal for you. You have lived experience, and so that does change its meaning and uh, sort of how heavily it weighs on someone when they've got personal experience. So I appreciate it. What can senior leaders do to actively prevent suicides in CBP or even proactively prevent suicides in CBP? I think one of the things we have to do is communicate the message that 
by coming forward to seek help, um, to talk about this issue, even if it relates to you or someone close to you, this is not a career ender. This is something where we can work together to help you get better, to help you address a problem. But contrary to popular belief, this does not mean a situation where, for example, your gun is automatically going to be taken away Mm -hmm. or there's going to be a fitness for duty or something like that. I know this is one of the main things I hear when I go out and speak to uh, CBP personnel in the field. This is something they're very concerned about, but I want uh, to send the message and we need the help of leadership throughout the organization to send the message that that's simply not the case. We want to help you get better. We are increasing the resources out there to do just that. And again, very important that we understand that information. I have been very fortunate in my career. I have worked for some great leaders, great leaders that have opened the doors and opened my eyes in many ways in the past about the importance of these of these things and taking care of the people. So I, I like to build off the leadership and the mentorship I've, I've received. And so I like to follow their example is to one, not be afraid to talk about it. Understand what the problem, that it is an issue that you have to deal with. Do not ignore it and don't put it in the back corner and to hit, hit it head on. And that means as leaders that you that you do talk about it. You're aware of, of, of what uh, what uh, tools we have out there, uh, programs we have out there, uh, and you encourage, you lead in such a way that people understand it's okay to talk about it. Okay. It is okay to get help. It is not a sign of weakness. And it's about caring for your team, caring for the people you work with, caring for the people you lead, and understanding those impacts. So I just think it's important that we do everything within our power to, to try to become better aware of it, I try to do what we can to prevent it, mm-hmm. make other people aware of it, and, and reduce it because of the, the devastating impact it has on, uh, on one, our, the, our colleagues, our workmates, and things that we do every day. It carries on for a long time. I mean, all of us have been on the job for a while. We all know someone, and we see the impact it's had on, on their colleagues, but on their families and friends throughout. And it's just such a devastating thing. And, and there are things we can do. There's things within our powers that we can do to make it better, and we're obligated to try to do that. So I hear you saying destigmatize, which is absolutely something that positive leadership can accomplish or facilitate. Are there other cultural things that need to shift as a part of this? So the the culture does need to shift, obviously, in our organization somewhat. Because I, again, the organization I joined, we were, you know, if you had a problem, you wadded it up in a little bitty ball and you stuck it in the back corner of your brain and you never thought about it again, right? <laughs> right. We used to, <laughs> you know, used to used to treat all these problems with what we used to call. Choir practice, right? So, so you do need to destigmatize. Correct. Cultural shifts in the organization, cultural shifts, but cultural shifts are on multiple levels. And you set that example by what you do. You don't even in casual conversations, you're very careful not to make offended comments that could be termed as you mm-hmm. know belittling or undermining the efforts. You need to you need to be very you need to lead the charge and, and making it better and just make sure people know it's okay to open up. It's okay to talk about that and then uh, encourage people to do those things. And I, I think it's important. You just have to live. You have to not just talk the talk. You have to walk the walk in those leadership roles. It reminds me of that old phrase that if you take care of your people, everything else takes care of itself. It sounds like that's what you're saying. So it, it's, it's pretty much true. I mean, I was trying to avoid too many cliches, but that's exactly right. You're, uh, the CBP workforce, 
I've, I've done probably 60 town halls this past summer uh, talking to people in the workforce, and we have, we have the most phenomenal workforce in the federal government by far. We do more, accomplish more than, any, than anybody else, and to continue to endure more hardships because of the work we do, mm-hmm. uh, more stressors, more crisis, more things that we do because of the mission we do. And our workforce continues to always excel. And so we owe it to them to do everything we can to take care of them in every facet. And this is just one of those areas. Really, from my perspective, senior leaders need to be able to communicate with their employees. Uh, They need to be able to um, talk about the stresses of the job. They need to be able to talk about the need to take care of yourselves. Uh, They need to provide employees with the opportunity and the means to uh, talk about their struggles. And um, they also need to ensure that they have the time to do those things. So it's one thing to help make your employees' lives easier by how you shift things at the job. But then there are other times where you really can't change that. The mission is the mission. The demands are the demands. And it's about talking to them about how to handle that. It's about talking to them. Uh, Just importantly, it's about listening to them. You Mm -hmm. have to listen. Um, You have to be able to have those hard discussions uh, with your employees. And and certainly as a senior leader, you need to ensure that the, the leadership under you understands how important it is to the workforce that they have those conversations. And, you know, and while the mission continues to be difficult and there's different strains, we need to continue to prioritize training, uh, get the most, uh, the most recent training out there. We need to have that in person more. We need to listen to the employees uh, when they're telling us what they think they need more mm-hmm. of or they do need more of. So what you're saying is uh, whatever the senior leader does, it needs to trickle down to those leaders who are working much more one-on-one with the employees. Absolutely. And one of the suggestions you're saying to help make that happen is to make sure that you give time for training, you listen, and you also make time for them when they need to go access any kind of helping resource, whether it's EAP, peer support, chaplain, or something else. Yes, and they need to engage and stay engaged. What would you say to our employees about reducing their own risk of suicide or reducing risk among each other, coworkers, family, people who they know in the community? Well, I think we have to make it a priority to take better care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that gets lost in, you know, we're so busy in things at work. We're so busy dealing even with challenges that involve our families and friends that we forget to step back every so often and think about what are our needs and and really, that means reaching out for help, um, whether it's through um, peer support at work, uh, our employee assistance program, um, just even talking to colleagues about, okay, you know, how are things going? I'm I'm struggling with this, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and we often find that other people are too, and sometimes just being able to openly talk about that, perhaps in a setting away from work, um, helps. Right. So, you know, we have to, we have to make sure that we can take a time out. Sometimes that involves, you know, non-traditional things like uh, meditation. You got to be open to these things and consider them and, and make time for them. Uh, you know, also things obviously like 
um, taking your care of yourself when it comes to uh, working out, uh, diet and exercise, um, talking to your family, which sometimes we, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. forget to do right. because we're engaged in so many things. All of it makes a difference in our in our ability to cope palms and and the new program and and that's important that we take that seriously and you know picked up pick up some strategies and techniques to address the problem to understand it further but we've got to do more than that we have to make a commitment to talk about this on an ongoing basis. You know, supervisors have to bring this up in musters. We have to, we can't just let this go. We're going to be looking to do training on a quarterly basis, short as it may be, in person. And we're already starting a pilot effort along those lines, which I'm very excited about. We're also deploying um, a group of anywhere between 13 and 15 psychologists uh, across the country to different sectors. And our plan there is to have those folks available to help address um, these very kinds mm-hmm. of issues, mm-hmm. to work with uh, line-level personnel and supervisors alike, and to tackle this very issue. So, you know, I have confidence that we can do better. And I'm approaching this from a position of optimism because I know that nothing can be more important to any of us in this organization than the welfare of our our coworkers, our family, and our friends. You know, that's a really good question. And um, I'm hopeful um, that by the approach we're taking, you know, getting out there, talking to folks, listening to what their needs are, working to get additional resources out to the field uh, for our folks to talk to. I'm hoping that we can make a sustained impact, but I do know by the approach we're taking that we're going to make make it a healthier workplace. We're going to make a, the workplace a, a better place for everybody to be, and you know, at the end of the day, I think that's what's going to help us make strides to have a sustained decrease in suicides. We've got some unprecedented amounts of funding from Congress for these issues for workforce, well-being, resilience, suicide prevention. I think that goes to your point about sustained efforts. It also sounds like changing things about the culture would help these benefits be long-term and not just something that's fly-by-night. No, I agree 100%. So the leadership team here has, has worked very hard to ensure that we get the resources necessary through our appropriations bill to to pay for um, the conditions, the psychologist, the training, and those sorts of things. But, you know, number one, we need to ensure that that funding sustains mm-hmm. so we can continue to build up uh, that, that resiliency or that workforce care program. And, and number two, we need to ensure that as we as we get those resources out to the field, that there is that cultural change, that we're not afraid to talk about, we're not afraid to use it, that the management leadership understands that if you do use these resources, it's actually a good thing for the employee and for the agency and for the mission. This is part of our ongoing podcast series for suicide prevention and awareness. If you see someone struggling, say something. Asking them about suicidal thoughts may feel awkward but you can help reduce suicide risk at home and in the workplace by tolerating that awkwardness. Simply ask, how can I help? 
And then just listen to the person. Make sure you ask them if they're thinking of ending their life. It really does make a difference. Thank you again to our guests. I really appreciate you. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We'll speak to you again on our next episode.